Hi, this is Mark Wasserman. Welcome to the Skaboom podcast, which is the audio companion to my forthcoming book, Skaboom, an American ska and reggae oral history, which will be published in early 2021. In this episode, I take a look at the summer of 1997, when MTV briefly turned the spotlight onto American ska bands and how that attention helped grow an audience for the genre, as well as cement the legacy of a uniquely American ska sound that many of us who love the music continues to debate and argue about. Is it ska or is it punk with horns? Welcome back. I'm Bill Bellamy here with Kennedy, and this is MTV's concert for the Motel California. It's our freedom concert, Bill. I, I, I can't understand how we could possibly turn this motel we, into a concert. We a bunch concert. of bumbling cable idiots <laughs> taking this, this lovely dilapidated motel and turning it into an all-night party. This is what I'm talking about. And I heard that uh, you hang out with the um, boss tone. As a matter of fact, I mm. did, and uh, they are, they're so funny, and they are so interesting, and uh, they're, they're very east side, very... Uh, right? Boston. Boston. Yeah. Now, um, why are they the mighty, mighty? Why couldn't they just be like, you know, the Boston? You know what I mean? They, they would have been, but unfortunately, Nate has a stuttering problem. So, so uh, like, when, when they called to solidify the name, it became the mighty, mighty Boston. Mm, mighty, 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 mighty Boston. <laughs> there you have it, the story behind the story. Fabulous. And right now, you want to see them live? Yeah. Because they're, they're one heck of a band to catch if you can see them live. Uh, here are the Mighty Mighty Boston's with the Rascal King. Check it out. Yeah, party star! That was MTV VJ's Bill Bellamy and Kennedy, remember them? Way back in 1997, talking up a live performance by the Mighty Mighty Boston's, then the Kings of American Ska, during a broadcast from a California beach house. Those of you of a certain age may remember that during Memorial Day weekend of 1997, MTV set up shop at an abandoned aquatic park outside Los Angeles and converted it into the set for the Motel California. The network used the beachfront location that whole summer to broadcast a mix of hair metal, grunge, and hip-hop, which then ruled their video programming. At the very same time, after years of hard work by many of the 18 bands featured in my upcoming book, a version of American Ska was beginning to bubble up into the mainstream. It was a mix of ska, pop, metal, and punk, and most of it was coming live and direct from Orange County in California and picking up airplay on indie and commercial radio stations like KUCI in Irvine and K-Rock in L.A. Between 1995 and 1997, Rancid, who were fans of Berkeley's Uptones, No Doubt, fans of L.A.'s The Untouchables and Fishbone, and The Boston's fans of Boston's Bim Scala Bim, all released key albums and songs with videos that generated MTV airplay. And as Don't Speak, The Impression That I Get, and Sell Out by Real Big Fish climbed the Billboard charts, MTV took notice. Well, sort of. At least for a little while. Commercial radio was still a cultural force 23 years ago. That's hard to believe. And stations had started playing ska music, also hard to believe. Folks at MTV took notice and decided to air a ska-themed show they called Scotterday on Saturday, June 28, 1997. It was hosted by Carson Daly. Yes, that Carson Daly. Here's how Daly, looking more like a member of the Blues Brothers than a ska-loving rude boy, opened the broadcast. 
That was Suburbia from Schlepprock. Another ska band here in Southern California. That's kind of what we're talking about today. This is a ska special, Scotter Day on MTV. Now, coming up in a few minutes, actually, I got to give you this, this little bit of useless ska trivia. Schlepprock got their name from, remember those cavemen on the Flintstones? Try that one at a dinner party, you know what I'm saying, kids? Now, when you think of ska, and you think of a band from the San Francisco area who took punk and mixed it with ska, and then they got some of those wacky hairdos, kids. You know those guys? Rancid is coming up after the break as MTV Scotter Day continues. Useless ska trivia about Schlepprock? Okay, let's move on. Daly was an unlikely guide for the masses of American youth turning in for a dose of ska. He had been a DJ at K-Rock in LA before being recruited to serve as a VJ that summer at the Motel California. Quick aside here, but if anyone had asked me who should have hosted Scotter Day, I would have suggested Gwen Stefani or Dickie Barrett or even Tim Armstrong, then in the vanguard of American Ska. But nobody asked me. June 28, 1997, Carson Daly, broadcasting from Motel, California, along the beach, did Scotter Day. Now, this was a few years after Ska really broke. We all know in 1995, third wave with major labels and such was really going strong. That's Mitta Goodwin, a longtime California-based ska promoter, DJ, and writer who watched Scotter Day and shared his memories and thoughts about the show. So here it is a few years later, and MTV is getting on the wagon. They're on the bandwagon, the ska bandwagon. Well, Carson dressed in a black suit, thinnish black tie, white shirt, not quite a pork pie, but, you know, not a fedora. And if I remember correctly, it's Converse shoes. Doing his best, dressing up as a rude boy. In between videos, Daly walked around the set, surrounded by hordes of kids, dancing, skateboarding, and hanging out. Whether MTV bust in ska kids or simply ordered beach house regulars to trade their swimsuits for rude boy uniforms was unclear, and some of the dancing actually more the twist than skank, is cringeworthy. And then Daly started to try educating viewers about ska. That's a band I can tell you about. Carson on MTV, Goldfinger, here in your bedroom. The first video off their self-titled debut album. This is Ska today. We're talking a lot about the music known as Ska, which seems to be just so big now. Goldfinger, if you're actually reading their credits on that first record, you'll see that they got a lot of help from bands like the Voodoo Glow Skulls, Real Big Fish, and the Skeletones. All of that is a part of the third wave of Ska. Now, the second wave of Ska really started in about the late 70s, early 80s, when bands like the Specials and the English Beat were blowing up in the UK. Now, over here in the States, there's bands like the Toasters that really put ska music on the map, especially in the East Coast, like the New York City area. Now, coming up in just a few minutes, from Long Beach, a band that's obviously huge, Sublime. They've suffered the loss of the lead singer, Brad, but it is good to know that the rest of the guys in Sublime have gone on. They're playing with the Long Beach Dub All-Stars. That's the name of them. So, stick around for Sublime. More of MTV Scotter Day when we return. He talked about ska, kind of uh, got it right, but in many ways got it wrong, mentioning that uh, when Goldfinger uh, got their start, that they were helped out by Real Big Fish, Voodoo Glow Skulls, and uh, the Skeletones. Well, we all know Skeletones, uh, uh, Hampton played keyboards on their hit, which was performed on the show here in my bedroom. 
doing? Carson Daly, MTV Scotterday. I am your tour guide to the music known as Scott. Still coming up, we've got some videos from Madness, The Untouchables, and a new band out of Detroit, kind of along the lines of Rancid, The Suicide Machines. Now, when you think of Ska, think of the godfathers of Ska, the specials. They were part of what was called the two-tone movement, which was something their fans would wear to their shows. They would take black and white thread, and they'd wear those cool jackets that you see a lot of people wearing. Now, from 1979, from their self-titled debut album, which was produced by Elvis Costello, let's check out the specials doing a remake of the 60s anthem, Message to You, Rudy, on MTV Scotterday. If I can jump right in here. Black and white thread? What? Uh, they mentioned a little bit about two-tone. He said that uh, the specials got the name, if I remember, because of the outfits, the black and white threads that their fans would be wearing while at the shows. They called, he called the godfathers of Ska the specials. Okay, all right. Uh, you know, like I said, not the worst, but come on. If you're going to be doing a ska show on a music channel, give us some information. Scotterday did make an attempt to mix things up music-wise. Madness had a few songs on there, the specials, of course. So that was great, you know, especially seeing some of the classics to introduce to this new batch, you know. Uh, House of Fun, One Step Beyond. Those those were great uh, things to get some people thinking, listening to. Uh, for the specials, I believe it was Rudy, a message to you. Okay, They did play stuff like Schlep Rock, Suburbia, which was their ska song, but not a ska band. Sugar Ray, Fly, not a ska song. That was bad. You know, I was happy, you know, being a fan of the Unfectables from way back, that Free Yourself had gotten. With the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, they played Someday, I suppose, and I believe the impression that I got. Uh, so a little bit of both, you know, kind of flopping back and forth. You know, Sunday morning featured Terry Hall. So ska adjacent. Whatever your thoughts on the presentation of visuals and information, the show definitely had an impact on young viewers tuning in. I had just gotten into ska probably two or so years earlier, and I was friends with a couple of uh, traditional skinheads and rude boys around the area, and I'd gotten pretty heavily into first and second wave ska and was kind of finding my way. And, uh, you know, imagine my surprise when I found out that MTV was going to air a special, um, you know, on ska music, and... Uh, so I had a VHS tape handy, and I taped it. That's Mark Davis, a young ska fan then in high school, who watched the broadcast that day and appreciated the effort MTV was making. Part of me was really blown away and, and really happy to see bands like the Slackers and um, you know the Stubborn All-Stars represented and seeing the video for Tin Spam and being like, oh, like this is, you know, this is so awesome. And then also seeing like the you know them trying to recreate what ska looked like you know at the MTV Beach House with um, you know with uh, people doing the twist and like trying to like recreate different ska dances and stuff um, you know just basically them trying to I think they did a really good job of explaining a lot about the history of ska which was good and having little messages of like, do the dog, not the donkey and one step beyond and, you know, playing madness and stuff. But it was MTV doing 
MTV stuff. Uh, I guess at least they tried. It was MTV doing MTV stuff. And while some of the information in ska history that Daly shared was accurate, some was not. One interesting byproduct of Scotterday was the number of kids who videotaped the broadcast and shared VHS tapes of it with their friends. These ska tapes would get passed around and became a way for kids to absorb what they were seeing and hearing on the show. So uh, much of it, it was not a complete uh, misguidance, but not quite there. Not researched the way a true fan would have done it, I think. Um, it was cringy watching mostly uh, bros and, you know, uh, Betty's out there dancing around, mostly doing the twist to the music, not quite skanking. There's a few rude boys and big girls out there, but not uh, what you would hope for. Just how did Ska end up with its own Scotterday special, and why was it so brief? You know, the you know MTV was dominated at that time by some genres that were you know just really exploding. So there was Young know, Raps and hip hop. There was you know heavy metal and and you know hair bands were you know also you know raging, um, as well as you know um, uh, the grunge era, right? And you know. Those were the those were the kings of MTV. That's Doug Herzog, a self-confessed ska and reggae fan who was the president of Viacom Music Group, which then operated MTV, and he at one time was in charge of MTV programming. He shared why ska seemed to be a flash in the pan as far as MTV was concerned. I think you know we felt uh, you know or the and I was I was more on sort of like I was, I was like the guy who made the shows rather than program the music. But I think the people who really programmed the music felt like the Scott thing was a fad and the record companies were pushing it and it was like it was lightweight and there wasn't a lot there. Um, uh, and, you know, a bunch of these bands got, you know, ultimately did get some real airplay. So whether it was, you know, certainly the Boston's um, or Real Big Fish or, you know, there were, you know, there were a handful of bands that, you know, got a fair amount of airplay. And then, and then there, a lot of people thought there was, you know, there was like a lot of just industry hype right? Or maybe overhype. That not buying it attitude at MTV and from the overall music industry had a detrimental impact on the ska scene. In the mid to late 90s, there was a backlash against ska and the music gained a negative impression as goofy, which still dogs it to this day. Moon Records, which had been the label that helped give life to the indie American ska scene, was put out of business when record stores began sending back unsold ska inventory in the late 90s. And there was a period of time when people said, ska is dead. And it appeared that American ska had not survived the embrace of the mainstream. Despite the cold shoulder ska ultimately got from MTV, Herzog did try and keep ska and reggae in the programming mix while he was at the network. Now, I was always excited to see it and always happy to try and, you know, book some of those bands on things we were doing and and slide things in here there. I actually staged a... um, uh, uh, as a as a sort of proto test, um, I, I staged uh, a uh, unplugged reggae night at uh, SOBs um, with Morgan Heritage, um, wow. and dragged uh, you know Al Scaletti, who's the producer of Don't Be uh, Unplugged, down there to see you know, you know do they could we figure out a, a reggae unplugged? And I think I was doing it on the strength of like right at that moment it was. You know, there was like those ska bands were were hanging around. And then also in terms of actual airplay, 
you know, Shaba Ranks was getting on MTV, Maxi Priest was getting on MTV, you know, Soul to Soul was on MTV. And I was like, maybe this is a moment where we can kind of do something with a reggae unplugged. It never happened. <laughs> but, um, uh, it, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, you know, outside of those occasional, you know, videos, yeah. you know, like a Boston's video that would break through. It, 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 you know, MTV was very invested in the grunge thing. MTV was very invested in uh, the, you know, the at the time rap, what later, you know, now known as hip hop, and MTV was very invested in the hair metal bands. And so it was, it was. There's a lot of competition. Indeed, there was a lot of competition, and American ska just didn't make the cut. So, was Scotterday a good thing or not? Uh, overall, it probably helped sell some records being a single day, single broadcast. Uh, I think, I think they might be broadcasted once more that week. Uh, but it was not the turning point. It did not, I think, do what some people might think for a ska, you know, the people who were into ska watched it, enjoyed it to a certain point, cringed at times. I know, uh, Chuck Wren posted that he could never unsee it. And that was a lot of just the fashion faux pas, the dancing. And because of that, I'm sure some people then took that as the way to do it. And that's a bad thing. You know, you want go to a show, enjoy the show, enjoy the music, buy the records, continue to, to research studying more about it, going in deeper and deeper. And that's how you embrace a culture and especially a musical uh, style that's been around for multiple decades, you know, long before I was alive. I was born in 66. Scott was around before that, you know, maybe not long before, but before I was alive. Uh, so uh, on that point, overall, Scotterday was a novelty. I think you can look at the legacy of Scotterday in two ways. I do think it introduced a legion of kids to ska music, many of whom are still fans and remember the show fondly. On the other hand, the show may have reinforced stereotypes that ska was a mostly white, suburban and punk-inspired form of music and really missed an opportunity to educate viewers about its history and culture as a black art form. There was no mention of the Scotterlites or Jamaica, or the progression of ska to rock steady to reggae, or how that influenced youth in the in the UK to create two tone. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode about MTV Scotterday. If you like ska boom, please consider subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, and please keep an eye out for my book Ska Boom, which is out in early 2021. Take care.